0: What book did I say, everybody? Hebrews Hebrews chapter 7 and verse number 25. Hebrews chapter 7 and verse number 25. This is a word that's very close to my heart right about now. Amen. Very close to my heart right now. Hebrews 7 and verse 25. When you have it, say amen amen the Bible says wherefore he is also able to save them to the uttermost that come to him by God wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto him come unto God rather By him. Somebody say amen to the word of God this morning. Today I want to talk to you from the subject Jesus praise. Jesus praise. Let's bow our heads. Father God, Lord, I thank you for this moment in time. This Kairos moment. A moment, Lord, that allows us to peer into the balcony of heaven and see something remarkable and be changed. I'm asking, Lord, that you would show us Jesus Christ. Open up the windows of heaven. Let us peer into the throne room and see what it is that our Savior is doing for us right now. And I ask, Lord, that as a revealing of that glory is reflected on us, I pray, Lord, that we would be changed. Changed and moved into a new position with you, I ask you that, Lord, you hide me behind the cross. I need you, Jesus. I need you today. Thank you, God, for you are worthy to be praised. In Jesus' precious name, let everyone say amen, amen. <clears throat> and amen. We have heard a joyful sound. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Spread the gladness all around. Why? Because Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Jesus is able to save us because of his ability and his availability. He's able because he's the divine healer. He's able because he's the consummate provider. He's able because he's the only begotten son of the living God. He is able to save. He's always able because he loves us more than anything else. He cares for us. He puts us First in his life, the Bible says, wherefore he is also able to save them to the uttermost that come unto him, that come unto God by him. The word uttermost in the Greek means to save completely, totally from the inside out. And it also means to save once and for all time. That means to save now and forevermore. Somebody say hallelujah today. He can save to the uttermost. It means, saints of God, that Jesus as our high priest, come on, say amen. Amen. As our high priest, he's not like human priests were because the human priests, all they could do was go to God for us and ask God to forgive us for our past sins. Are you with me this morning? But what they could not do is they could not go to God and call upon him to change us from the inside out. So that then we would not only be removed from our past sins, but so that we could no longer have the mindset or the heart to go and sin again. Come on, say amen. In other words, Jesus, when he goes before the Father, he has the power to call upon the power of God to say, God, I'm asking you not only to save them from what they've done, but save them from what they might do. And God, I'm asking you to change them so that they don't do what they would do if you don't do what you do. Jesus prays. Come on, say amen. Bible tells us that God had a mission. He had a mission to get back in contact with his people. Are you with me today? But sin separated God from us. So he came up with a plan. That plan was to set up a sanctuary, a sanctuary that would reflect the image of the sanctuary of God in heaven. And there is a sanctuary in heaven. I wish I had help in here. And what is a sanctuary? Some of us get confused and get discombobulated. I don't understand. It's too confusing. What is the sanctuary? A sanctuary is a place where you go to talk with God. That's all it is. That's all it is. If you don't understand anything else about the sanctuary system, just understand. It's a place where you go to get in contact with God. And so, saints, this is what he set up. He said, Moses, make sure you make it just like how I show it to you. Hallelujah. And ladies and gentlemen, they came up with this, uh, God told them about this specific uh, uh, position within the sanctuary, which was the position of the priesthood. The priest would go in and he would bear upon him the sins of all the people. Come on, say Amen. He would take them in on the day of atonement, carry them in to the most holy place, bring in with the altar of incense. He would put incense there on the altar so that what he would give, a sacrifice to God, would be a sweet savor before his nostrils. But they couldn't do, ladies and gentlemen, what they needed to do because they were just simply human beings. Not to mention, ladies and gentlemen, not only did he have to ask God to forgive them for our sins, but they have to ask God to forgive them for their own sin. Are you with me today? Amen. But Jesus prays directly to the Father. Jesus is able to save from the guttermost to the othermost. It doesn't matter where you are in life. It doesn't matter how much money you make or how much money you've passed by and thrown away. God is able to save you from the guttermost to the uttermost. I'm a witness today. God can save anybody. If God can save a wretched soul like me, trust me, he can save you too. Yes, he can. But the problem is, even though Jesus can save everybody, Jesus won't save everybody. And the reason why, ladies and gentlemen, is because God can't save people who don't want to be saved. And God cannot save people. He what, everybody? He cannot save people. He cannot what, everybody? Save people who make a decision that they don't need to be saved proud and prideful and arrogant and erudite people who have the nerve to throw their stuff up in God's face as if he's supposed to accept them for what they've done, you must be out of your mind. God can't save proud people, and he can't save people who refuse to be saved. And the way that most of us refuse God's salvation is, ladies and gentlemen, not because we don't come to church. It's not because we don't listen to the preacher. It's not even because we don't read our Bibles. But the way that we refuse God's salvation is that we don't pray. You've got to call upon Jesus. He said, listen, if you're going to come to me, this is the Father speaking, you've got to come through Jesus Christ. So he says, when you come, you make sure that you pray. And when you pray, you make sure you use his name, not yours. That's right. That's right. That's right. You need to pray in his name. Yeah. And when you pray in his name, ladies and gentlemen, God's ears open up wide. Yeah. That's right. And that's how he's able to save. But most of us don't even want to pray for five minutes a day. They did a survey, they did a survey, and they found out that less than 30% of preachers pray every day. Less than 30% of preachers. Are y'all listening to me? We ain't talking about just normal, regular folk. We talking about preachers, leaders in the church of God won't even pray five minutes a day. And we think we're going to get saved. We think we're going to be all right. Because of the grace of God. I want you to know, ladies and gentlemen, God's got grace, but grace is for those who want it. Grace is for those who reach out for it. You got to be on your job. Come on, say amen. Salvation is free, but it ain't totally free. You got to get out there and get it for yourself. You got to reach out for God. Come on, say amen. And I want you to know that when we pray, God answers prayer on behalf of Jesus Christ. Come on, say amen. The Bible says that when we come to God in Hebrews 11 and verse 6, we must have faith, ladies and gentlemen, for without faith it is impossible to please God for we we must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek after him. Somebody say hallelujah today. What does that mean? What does that mean? It means, ladies and gentlemen, that faith, ladies and gentlemen, is based upon, first of all, knowing who God is. Are you with me today? Faith believes in who God is. In other words, I know God's character irregardless and irresponse of what else is happening in my life. Now, how many of you know that when you become a Christian, everything isn't easy? How many of you know, in fact, when you become a Christian, it really gets tough. The pathway to heaven is not paved, ladies and gentlemen, with daisies and roses and all of these beautiful petals. Ladies and gentlemen, the pathway to heaven is paved with blood, sweat, and tears. Because, ladies and gentlemen, listen, when you are not on God's side, the devil could care less because he already got you. He don't care what club you go to. He don't care, ladies and gentlemen, what party you show up at. But as soon as you decide, I claim Jesus as my redeemer, all of a sudden, he got a problem with you. All of a sudden, he starts throwing mess and darts fiery darts from hell coming towards you and it gets harder and harder. And saints of God, sometimes when you're working through this thing, are y'all with me today? When you're walking this walk of faith, sometimes you get an idea in your head and it comes from the devil that maybe God doesn't accept you. Maybe God doesn't love me the way he says he does. Are y'all with me today? I'm keeping it real today. Are y'all with me? Yeah, yeah. Even as a preacher, sometimes you wonder, why didn't God open that door like he said he was going to do? Are you with me? Why did God shut that one? I don't understand God. And you can get to a point in your life where you start thinking, I don't, I, I don't know if I should keep going with this thing. But see, when you've got faith, yeah. okay. see, faith knows God's character. See, it's not just God's word, it's who God is. See, God's word is here to teach you about who God is so that when you get in trouble, when the devil comes down hard on you, when life gets rough, and when people are backbiting and hating on you, even in the church, you can realize and recognize that the character of God is still love. And I will seek after him. Here, regardless of what happens. Come on, say amen. amen. So, ladies and gentlemen, if there's a death in your family, God is still good. Amen. If you lose your job because of the Sabbath, God is still good. Amen. Are you with me today? Amen. If your kids begin to throw you out the water and they begin to do whatever they jolly will, please, it, listen, God is still good. And I've still got faith and I will go to God. I will seek after him. I will diligently go after him. Why? Because I know he's good. And secondly, I know that he's a rewarder. Of them that diligently seek him. You've got to have some persistence. Come on, say amen. You've got to have some persistence with God. Some of us give up on God too early because we don't know God's character. Listen, if you know, saints of God, that you got somebody that's got a million dollars and he plans on giving it away to anybody who's willing to come and get it, what would you do? Oh, I'm gonna be in his face, come on, say amen. Oh, I'm gonna be there every day. When he wakes up, I'm gonna be right there. I want the money, come on, say amen. When he's at lunch, hey, listen. Did I let you know this morning? Well, I'm letting you know again. I want to. Are y'all with me today? Well, that's, listen, that's how we are. See, if we're like that with money, how come we can't be like that with God for spiritual blessings that he's already promised? He's already said they're yours. So you know what, God? I'm coming after him. Come on, say amen. I'm coming to get him. Somebody say hallelujah. And the Bible says that he will respond. By rewarding us when we diligently seek after him. Now the question this morning though is, how is it that prayer is so powerful? What is it about prayer that makes God's blessings so available to us? The Bible tells us that it's because Jesus prays for us. Jesus is actually our prayer warrior. Hebrews tells us that he is our intercessor with God. He's our high priest. Come on, say amen. amen. And the fact of the matter is, is that Jesus lives to pray for us. You didn't know that, did you? Notice Hebrews 7 and verse 25 again, it says, wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto, him, that come unto God by him, seeing, watch this, seeing or recognizing he ever liveth, to make intercession for them. Somebody say hallelujah. See, this is another difference with Jesus that makes him more magnanimously, more powerful than a regular, ordinary high priest from earth. You see, Jesus ever lives. (laughs) You see, ladies and gentlemen, all those high priests that were with the old covenant, are y'all with me? Aaron and all the rest of them, they're all dead and gone. They can't pray for you no more. But my Jesus... Lord oh, Jesus, He ever lives. And He's continuously right now interceding on behalf of you and me. And He's never going to die. Come on, say Amen. Paul tells us that Jesus lives forever. A position that makes him our greatest supporter before the glory of heaven. It's always God's intention in the old, in the Old Testament. It was always his intention to live among his people and he needed a bridge, a gap. And what he did was he put the priest in place so that we could see an image of what Jesus does for us. Jesus goes into the most holy place before God for us. Somebody say amen. And he ever lives for us. He ever speaks on our behalf. He ever reaches up to where God is so that, ladies and gentlemen, he can reach down to where we are and pull us up to where God is. We've got a great high priest, Hebrews 4 and 14 says. Seeing that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to the profession of our faith. In other words, you and I, when we pray, we can have confidence. We can have confidence to know that God hears us because of Jesus. Some of us are too scared to pray. We think we're too bad that God won't hear us because of what we just did two minutes ago. Are y'all with me today? Can I keep it real this morning? Yeah, you know how when you do something, you don't even want to pray because you know God saw it just like you saw it. But I want you to know you've got an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And the Bible says that when you mess up, listen, just come before God and go to God through Jesus and come with confidence, come with boldness, because we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous one. See, when you're unfaithful, he is faithful. When you're unrighteous, he is righteous. When you're unholy, he's holy for you. Amen. And he comes before the Father on our behalf. Amen. But here's the question this morning, the question of the hour. And we're going to answer it and then I'm going to let you go home. Why does Jesus pray? Are y'all with me today? I know why we pray. Because <laughs> we need to pray. But Jesus don't need to pray. I wish I had help in here. He don't need to pray for himself. Come on, say amen. So why does he pray? Reason number one that Jesus prays is because the devil prays, P-R-E-Y, on us, and the devil prays against us. The reason why Jesus prays, number one, is because the devil prays, P-R-E-Y-S, on us and he prays, P-R-A-Y-S, against us. The Bible tells us clearly that we have an enemy of the soul and his name is Satan. He's an ex-angel of heaven who rebelled against God, fought against heaven's army, lost in dramatic fashion, was kicked out and booted out on his backside, and now he's looking for more recruits to just be a loser like he is. He wants to see the whole of God's creation as nothing more than a desert wasteland, and he hates God with every fiber of his being. But the problem is, he can't box with God. Because he tried it and he got kicked out. Are y'all with me? So he's got to come through a subversive way. He's got to come through a back door. Are y'all with me? And he's going to get God no matter what. He's going to get at him. So what does he do? He messes with God's children. And how many know, ladies and gentlemen, that God's children are the apple of his eye? And that's what he does. He messes with us. He tries to tear us down and rip us apart and tries to pull us down to where the devil is. And he tries to mess us up and it hurts the heart of God. God hates to see his children wandering around in darkness, feeling downtrodden, feeling uh, 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 just demoralized and depressed and feeling like there is no hope. Are y'all with me today? I'm trying to talk to somebody today. God hates that because he wants you to know that you've got a powerful God on heaven up in the throne and he's waiting for you to call on him. But the devil does his dead level best to mess with us. And I tell you, listen, let me tell you something. I don't care what you say about me. You can't hurt me. I'm too old and too tired to be concerned about what people care about me. You understand what I'm saying? 47 years old, last Friday, you can say whatever you want. I don't care. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) You you, you can backbite me, you can even tell the truth, and some of it would would be true, but I don't care because you can't hurt me. Like they say, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. You can even come and pull up a fisticuffs on me. I'll still take you out. Can't hurt me. I don't care. But if you really want to get under my skin, if you really want to mess with me, deal with my children. Am I right about it? How many mothers in here know what I'm talking about? Listen, listen, my son goes to a, a Christian school. Adventist school. Come on, say amen. And one day he came home and he was looking downtrodden and looked like he was feeling bad. I said, "What, son? What's what's wrong? What's wrong?" And this is what he said. He said, "Uh, you know my you know my friend so and so." I said, "Yeah, you know it's a little girl, of a different persuasion." I wish I had help in here. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong. I'm just I'm just making that point because what I'm about to say, you're gonna see the impact of it. And so I said, "Okay, okay. What's what's wrong? What happened?" Well. Uh daddy, she she spit on me. I said, what what did you say? <laughs> daddy, she spit on me. She spit in my face. You know, not like on my leg or something or on my on my jeans. No, she spit in my face. You know what I'm talking about? You you feel what I'm saying, right? Yeah. I said, she did what? I said, say it to me one more time. What did she say? What did she do? I said, we're we going to go talk to your teacher. So went to talk to the teacher, and on the way there, saw the little girl. Now, <laughs> see. See anybody who knows anything about the history of African Americans in America knows what it means when somebody spits in your face. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And so all those feelings, all those emotions, all the past history of racism and everything else culminated in my mind as soon as I saw this young, young lady. And I'm telling you, it took massive prayer. It took what, everybody? Yeah. To keep me from, <clears throat> I been, I you, will, you, won't, you won't spit on them again. You may have spit one time, but you won't do it again. I wish I had help in here. Yeah. Yeah. Because, because, see, my heart is with my, ki- are y'all with me today? Yeah, yeah. And I don't care. I know she's little. I don't care. You don't mess with my kids. You understand what I'm saying? Because he was hurt by it. Come on, say amen. He was hurt by it. She was his friend, and he was hurt by that thing. And when he was hurt, I was hurt. And I was ready to take out some retribution up in here. You understand what I'm saying? Well, that's what the devil knows about God. He knows that God is, you know, he just, God is meek and humble, but when you mess with his children, he ready to get up off his throne and take some out, take some stuff out. He ready to take out a slice and throw, you know, whatever it takes because he cares for his children. Are y'all with me today? And this is the thing that the Bible says about the devil. I remember I said the devil pray, P-R-E-Y-S on us. Watch this. In 1 Peter 5, and verse 8, we can quote it. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, your what everybody? The devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour. That's right. That's right. Talking about the devil preying on us. I was looking at a, a, you know, a documentary on lions. I I don't know if it was on, you know, National Geographic or Animal Planet, whatever it was, but they talked about lions and how they hunt. And they say that lions are basically lazy. Are y'all with me? Matter of fact, it's usually the females that go out and, (laughs) oh, they don't, don't starve. And so what happens is this is how lions hunt. Lions hunt, now they're the king of the beasts, Amen. They got all this power and all this. And what they do is they get around some gazelles, a big, you know, a a big group of gazelles. And what they do is they roar. They do what, everybody? Roar. Roar. And they scare the horde. They scare the group of gazelles or antelope or whatever they're going after. And what happens is the gazelles become fearful. The gazelles become what, everybody? And then they become uh, uh, scared and they start to run. Now here's how the lion prays. Here's how the lion prays on his his hunting prey. Are y'all with me? He looks at the group and he looks and sees where the weakest one is. He looks for the one that's far behind, the one that's gotten away from the parents. Are y'all with me? And the lion targets that weak antelope, that weak deer, or that weak whatever it is. And he goes after it and kills it. And that's how the devil hunts. You got to be sober. You got to be vigilant because he's like a what kind of lion everybody? Roaring. See, what the devil does, he roars in your face to make you scared and get you fearful and not thinking about who your daddy is. And you start to run, and you forget to pray. And that's when he comes in and starts pouncing on you and starts eating. Are y'all with me today? That's how the devil hunts. The devil does not play fair. Somebody say the devil don't play fair. No, he don't play fair. He is not going after the strongest. He's going after the weakest. But we are told that the weakest saint... When it gets her, she gets on her knees and starts to pray to the Father, we're told in the spirit of prophecy that that weak saint, that messed up saint, that tore up from the floor up saint, has the power of God come down and the devil nor his imps can do anything about it. All we have to do is pray. Come on, say amen. But Jesus prays for us, ladies and gentlemen, because he knows how the devil hunts. And I love the story of Jesus and Peter. Especially the part where Jesus confides in Simon that the devil has targeted him for destruction. It says in Luke chapter 22 and verse 31, And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has desired to have you. In other words, Satan has prayed to God that he can have you and sift you like wheat. Are y'all with me today? The devil prays to God so that he can mess with you. See, the devil can't mess with you until he talks to your daddy. And he goes to God and he says, God, listen, I want to mess Michael's life up. And God weighs that thing. Somebody say hallelujah. Hallelujah. See, the story of Job tells us this. He weighs that thing. And he looks at it and he says, that's a tough one, but it's going to make him better. Go ahead and do it. Are y'all with me? So the devil actually asks God. He calls God. He calls him up on the phone. Are y'all with me today? He prays for you to get you. He desires to have you. He wants to mess your life up. He wants to get you, not while you're here at church, he wants to kill you while you're in the club. Mm -hmm. He wants to mess your life up. But the Bible says that Jesus told Peter, listen, he desires to have you and he wants to sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you. Oh, glory to God. Somebody say hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Listen, listen. This is the thing about God. God doesn't wait until you get in trouble. Jesus doesn't wait until the thing comes up in your life. Jesus knows because he's God. Come on, say amen. He sees your future from the beginning, and he knows when you're about to mess up, and he prays now for what you're going to do then. He prays now for what the devil is going to try to do to you then. He prays now. He says, God, give him faith. Strengthen his heart. Help him, God, and help him to get through it so that when he gets through the other side, he can go and strengthen his brethren. Oh, thank you, Jesus, for praying for me. Thank you, Jesus, for praying for me. The Bible says that the devil loves to pray against us the Bible says watch this in Revelation 12 and verse 10 the Bible says that the accuser of the brethren has been cast down who accused them before God day and night the devil never stops praying against you so God has to ever live through Jesus to pray for you come on say amen I'm so glad because, ladies and gentlemen, I don't know who you are and I don't care who you are. You can't stay up all day and all night and every hour of the day praying for yourself. Somebody's got to be praying for you. Somebody's got to be up in the courtroom with God for you. And it's got to be somebody who never sleeps and never slumbers. Because the devil is all day, all night accusing you before God. And most of the time, he's right. Can I keep it real? Most of the time, he's right. But God says, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. <laughs> he says, I rebuke thee, Satan. Get thee behind me. I won't listen to that garbage because my son's blood has been offered. Somebody say hallelujah today. Jesus constantly prays because the devil prays on us and the devil prays against us. Secondly, Jesus prays for us because, ladies and gentlemen, he's got compassion for a lost humanity. Hebrews chapter 5 and verses 6 and 7 says this, And as he saith also in another place, Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death and was heard in that he feared. The Bible says that Jesus showed some of his strongest emotions when caring for the lost. The word says that Jesus cried over the city of Jerusalem. Matthew 23 and verse 37 says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are unto thee. How often I would have loved to gather you as chicks, as a mother gathers her chicks, but you would not. Oh, how much God loves us. He loves his wayward people. A great opportunity was there for the people of Jerusalem to come to him, but they knew not the time of their visitation. If only they had prayed with Jesus, then so many more souls could have been saved by the glory of God, but they would not. The shortest text in the Bible, John 1135, is probably one of the most profound. It says that Jesus wept. Why did he weep? He wept, ladies and gentlemen, because it was his liquid language. Jesus' tears are a message and a reminder that even God's power can't save those who refuse to be saved. The only reason that Jesus truly weeps is because of unbelief. It's because of what, everybody? Even in the midst of miracles and the powerful exposition of God's word, people often refuse to believe God. It was at the grave gravesite of Lazarus that Jesus groaned, the Bible says, within himself because the people before whom he had revealed so much of his power doubted him. Yes. Jesus groaned within himself. So what did Jesus do? Jesus prayed. Come on, say amen. amen. The Bible says that Jesus prayed. And he said, Father in heaven, <laughs> I, I'm not praying for myself. But I'm praying for those around me that they might know that I am your son and that you sent me and that you've got the power to bring back the life from death. God raised Lazarus up and he raised him up. Come on, say amen. And all the doubters had to stop doubting. As a matter of fact, it was when God raised Lazarus up, when Jesus raised Lazarus up, that's When the religious people got together and said, we got to kill him now, he's showing them too much power because there's power in prayer. Come on, say amen. amen. Jesus weeps for a lost humanity. He connects himself with a lost race of people, and we should do the same. We should pray for the lost, even as Jesus prays for the lost. Are you as passionate as Jesus is for a lost world? Do you pray for your lost brothers and your lost sisters? Or do you just say, well, God will find a way? Uh -uh. Uh -uh. Do you spend any time at all praying for those in your own family who you know are on the outside of the ark of safety? We've got to be like Jesus. Come on, say amen. And Jesus loves everybody. He loves who everybody? Everybody. Everybody. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 44, I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you, do good unto them that hate you, and pray for them. And do what, everybody? Pray for them. You've got two options when people come messing with your life. Two options. You can either fight them, or you can fight for them. Are you with me? When somebody comes talking about you and dogging you out, you can either fight against them or you can fight for them with God. God says, pray for your enemies. Why? Because saints of God, they need to be saved just like you. And because, saints of God, I don't know whether you know this or not, but you and I were an enemy of God himself. The Bible says that he died while, for us while we were yet sinners. We were against the kingdom of God, and he died for us, and he calls us to have the same ministry. Come on, say Amen. Jesus is always about saving the lost. The Bible says in Luke 19 and verse 10, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus exemplified this in his own life, especially during the most trying hour of his mission here on earth. Jesus, just before he was to go to a cross, spent some time at the Garden of Gethsemane. The word Gethsemane, comes from the Aramaic word, which literally means oil press, the place of the oil press. And I don't know if you've ever seen an ancient oil press, uh, an ancient olive press, but what they used to do is they'd throw olives into this uh, granite stone-like big, huge, a bucket thing, and then they would take another huge granite round stone and whirl it around. They'd use an ox and tie that ox to that, that, that rolling stone, and the ox would push with all his might, and that stone would crush all of the oil out of those olives. And that crushing brought forth the purity of the olive oil. And just like those olives were crushed, that's how Jesus was crushed in the Garden of Gethsemane. As he was praying for us, he was being crushed by our sins, crushed by our lying on one another, crushed by the way that we treat one another in the church. He was crushed under the heavy weight of our sins. Oh, but that crushing... Brought forth a blessing. The Bible says that as the more he was squeezed, the more his blood came out of his pores. Come on, say amen. That blood represents his love. That blood represents his cleansing power. That blood represents his righteousness for us just Jesus was squeezed and pressed the bible says he began to agonize and the bible says when he started to agonize and when the bible uh, the word for agonize means that when you are in a confrontation and you feel yourself losing have you ever been in a fight and you losing oh yeah hello somebody yeah. and you get that feeling <laughs> Like, this ain't going to work out. (laughs) I done got myself into something. I ain't got no business being here. (laughs) Maybe George Zimmerman need to wake up. Come on, say amen. And so that's what it's like to agonize. You're in a fight, but you don't have enough energy to finish it. And Jesus began to agonize there in the Garden of Gethsemane with the weight of our sins upon him. And the Bible says when as soon as he began to agonize, as soon as he felt like he was about to lose, guess what he did? The Bible says he prayed all the more. He prayed all the more. Listen, when you are losing in your fight of life, do what Jesus did. Pray even more for God's power to shine in your life. The Bible tells us that after he prayed, the angel came down and suckered himself unto him and gave him strength to go on and die for us. Come on, say amen. amen. Jesus prayed for us. And like Jesus prays for us, we should pray for those who, ladies and gentlemen, are lost. We should have compassion for those who are not like us, who do not understand the salvation glory of God. We need to teach others about Jesus. We need to pray for them. We need to pray an anointing would fall on them that God would show them who he really is. Hallelujah. We got to be like Jesus. Come on, say amen. amen. And lastly, lastly, why does Jesus pray? Jesus prays for us because he desires for us to be his prayer partner. He wants us to be his Prayer partner. His what, everybody? Turn with me to Revelation chapter 8. What book did I say, everybody? Revelation chapter 8 and verse number 3. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 8 and verse number 3, says another angel came and stood at the altar having a golden censer. And there was given unto him much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints. With the what, everybody? So the angel was there to offer incense with the prayers of the saints. Come on, say amen. Amen. And ladies and gentlemen, the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar, which was before the throne. And verse 4, and the smoke of the incense, which came with the prayers of the saints, ascended up, before God out of the angel's hand. I read this story a little while ago about a foreign Bible professor who had never been to Niagara Falls and he finally found himself right on the embankments of the Niagara and he was amazed at the terrific torrents and power and force. As he was standing there he could feel the force of that water up under his feet moving and shaking the ground in which he was on. And he thought to himself, wow, what a mighty, mighty powerful thing of God. Every minute down those falls, fall, down those Niagara Falls, every minute falls 39 million gallons of white cap water. Every minute of the day, 39 million gallons of water. That's a lot of water suddenly something came and prompted him to pray. And when he prayed, he began to earnestly seek God for a more persevering and prevailing prayer life. And God vividly impressed upon his mind that this conscious, mighty flow of the Niagara represented, represents Christ's powerful prayer life for us. Amen. He said, yes, Lord, yes, but what about Christ's mighty, he said, this is a a mighty move of God for me to see that this is how God, this is how Jesus prays for us. He said, but what about my weak prayers? He said, "They're nothing but a little small droplet of water that floats. He's got these huge prayers. What about my prayers, God? And he began to continue to pray and pray. And suddenly a thought came to his mind. The thought said, why don't you mingle your prayers with Jesus' prayers? Somebody say hallelujah. He began to shout glory to God. Yes! This powerful flow of Niagara prayers as it goes up to God, I can place my prayers along with his. And saints of God, that's what God pictures for us in the sanctuary. You see, saints, the Bible says that the angel came and brought the prayers of the saints to the altar. Are y'all with me? Now, these are the prayers of the saints. you think that they would just go right into the throne room, but they can't. They can't. Because they can't get entrance yet. They've got to be mingled with something. The angel comes and he gets the incense. He gets the what, Everybody. The incense and the incense represents Christ's perfect sacrifice for us. Somebody say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Represents Christ's perfect sacrifice for us. So God, He takes our prayers, your prayers and my prayers, and then the high priest, He takes our prayers, your prayers and my prayers, He puts them on the altar, and before He sends them up, He takes the incense. The sacrifice of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, the love of Jesus, the mercy of Jesus, the perfection of Jesus, the righteousness of Jesus, and he puts it together with our prayers. And then watch this, the high priest, who's our high priest? Jesus himself, he takes his own incense and your prayers and he walks them in to the throne room. And watch this now. The spirit of prophecy says that when we pray, this is what Jesus does. When we pray, he doesn't take our prayers into the throne room as our prayers. No, 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 no. He doesn't do that. First, first, he says, come over here, Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost, ladies and gentlemen, begins to change the language of our prayers and makes our prayers in the right form, in the right function, and changes it to know, to, 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 to God's language, holy language. Come on, say amen. And the Spirit of Prophecy says that what Jesus as our high priest does, he takes our prayers and he brings them into his bosom. And he makes those prayers he makes those prayers intermingle with who he is as a person. Come on, say, amen. He feels the infirmities that we have. He feels the weaknesses that we have. He feels the needs that we have. And what he does is, he takes those needs. He takes those feelings of weakness, he takes those infirmities, and he walks into the throne room of God. And what he does is, he doesn't tell God your prayers, but he takes your prayers, he makes them his prayers, and then he prays for you. He says, God, I want to this. I want that. I want a new house for so-and-so. I want a new relationship for so and so. I want a new job for Sister So and so. Not you, not you. He says, I want it, God. And ladies and gentlemen, I don't know about you, but I realize that when Jesus prays, he gets whatever he wants. Whatever he wants, God's going to give it to him. That's why the Bible says, hey, <laughs> Every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess because he is the greatest of the great. His name is above every other name. He's the greatest of all the great. He's the best of all the best. And ladies and gentlemen, when we have an advocate with the Father like Jesus, we don't have to worry about whether or not he hears our prayers because Jesus makes your prayers my his prayers. He makes my prayers his prayers. And his prayers will always be answered. So the question today, the question today before us is are you ready to pray? Are you ready to pray? Because Jesus is ready. He's ready to pray for you. Are you ready to pray and ask God for whatever you want? He said, I am your father. I will withhold no good thing from you. No good thing. Jesus told his disciples, he said, listen, when you pray, make sure you pray in my name. Because that gives me permission to make your prayers my prayers. Are you ready to pray today? Are you ready to pray for your own soul's salvation today? Are you ready to pray today? Are you ready to pray for the salvation of others today? Are you ready to pray today? you ready to say, God, I need you to move in Glenville Cleveland, Ohio, Akron, Ohio, Columbus, Ohio, Springfield, Dayton, Cincinnati. I need you to take the whole state under your wing, God. I'm not praying these small prayers anymore because I know my prayers will become Jesus's prayers. I'm not praying this little small stuff. God, I want it all. I want the whole city of East Cleveland. I want, all the, I want the whole area. Yes. I'm asking you to do it yes. because you told me yes. that whatever I ask yes. in your name yes. that you would do. Yes, Lord. That's what you said. Yes. Yes. Whatever you ask yes. in his name yes, Lord. he will do. Father God, thank you for praying for us. Thank you, thank you Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for praying for me even before the mess hit me. Even before the devil targeted me. Thank you for praying for me. And God, I ask right now that you touch some heart, some soul under the sound of my voice in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, listen. God says... God says there's many people in here, listen to me, who have not been praying like they know they should. You've been afraid, you've been doubtful, you've been scared, or whatever it is, you've been distracted, and God is calling you right now to a stronger prayer life. With confidence, he says, come boldly before my throne room of grace and obtain the mercy Come boldly because you've got an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. How dare you not pray? How dare you leave gifts on the altar of sacrifice? How dare you leave all these blessings that I have in heaven up in glory because you refuse to ask me for them? I dare you to ask Him. I dare you to take it upon yourself and ask God for whatever you want in Jesus' name. God says it's time out for these half-heart Christian stuff. It's time to become a prayer warrior even if it's just for yourself. Be a prayer warrior and let people know, hey, I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know and he is leading, no matter what men may say. See his hand of mercy. I hear his voice of cheer. And just the time I need him, he's always near. He lives. He lives, Christ Jesus. He lives today. He's living evermore to pray for us, to intercede on our behalf. It's time for you to take advantage of your advantage in heaven. You have an advantage and you haven't been using it. It's time to break out the super, super duper, super blab, super gun, Jesus. It's time to bring out the secret weapon, Jesus. Somebody in here needs to make it clear. I'm going to start praying like God calls me to pray. And you need to come down right now and declare, Jesus, I'm praying just like you're praying for me, I'm going to pray. Right now, you need to come right now.